Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Winning the battles of life, and today we are looking at Job's strategy for winning the battles of life. But there's another writer that I put in there, and that is living under the enemy's radar, because that's basically what happened to Job here. But if you have your Bibles, let's open the book of Job, and we'll be reading from verse uh, chapter 1. Now, most Christians are familiar with the book of Job or the story of Job. And many of us, even non-Christians, are familiar with the story of Job, because they know that this was a very, very unusual character in the Scriptures. In the book of Job, chapter 1, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, There was a man in the land of Oz, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned the evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000 yokes of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Okay? Now from this verse of the scripture, you will see that Job, the Bible described him as a man who was not only righteous, but he feared God. The Lord, the Bible described him as a man who was rich with a lot of possession. The Bible described him as a family man. He had, you know, he had a very large family, seven sons and three daughters. Not only that, the Bible described, the Bible tells us, by the time you read verse number four of that same chapter, the Bible says, and his sons went and feasted in their house, in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their, for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Verse number 5, and so it was, when the days of their feasts were gone, were gone about, and Job sent, the, uh, Job sent and sanctified them, and arose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offering according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart, thus did Job continually. In other words, Job, like I said, was a very righteous man, a man who was rich in possession, a man with, you know, he was a family man, but he was also a very careful person. He not only prayed for himself, but he prayed for his own children. And the prayer that he prayed was this kind of interesting prayer, in the sense that his children will party, you know, on a regular basis. And as they party on a regular basis, Job will say, okay, in case when they were partying, their mind got crazy. Then they decide to say things that they are not supposed to say. Or they started doing things that they were not supposed to do. He said, because I'm not sure what they are doing, I am going to make prayers and sacrifices for them. And he will call them one by one. And the Bible says he did this continually. Okay, he did this continually. But the story of the life of Job, you know, changed. When you get to verse number 6. In verse number 6, the Bible tells us, And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. In other words, the Lord opened our eyes to see what was going on in the spirit. The Lord opened our eyes to be able to understand what is going on in the spiritual realm. You know, and the verse of the scripture begin to tell us, you know, if you read that verse down, the Bible tells us, God 
you know, God was beginning to tell them, you know, to, to have a conversation with Satan. Have you, have you seen my son? Have you seen what he's doing? And the Lord opened our eyes from this verse of the scripture to understand some basic things. The first thing this verse of the scripture that we're about to read tells us is this. This verse makes us to understand that there's a lot of things going on in the spiritual that you don't even know. A lot of things that concerns you. A lot of things that concerns your future. A lot of things that concern the way you operate your daily life is going on in the spiritual that you have no clue about. The second thing that this verse of scripture tells us is that this verse tells us that when life happens to people, it is not always because those people don't know how to manage their lives. When things begin to fall out of favor, when businesses don't go the way they're supposed to go, when careers are turning upside down, when families is beginning to have its, uh, having these issues, it's not because these people are not clever people. It's not because these people don't know how to organize themselves. It's not because they don't know how to manage their finances. It's not because they are not smart. The Bible makes us understand there is something else going on that you might not be aware of. Number three, that the, this verse of the scripture tells us, this verse tells us that when bad things happen to good people, it is not always because they have sinned. It's not always because they have sinned. It's not always because they hate the Lord. It's not always because they don't pray enough. It's not always because they are not the righteous set of people. The Bible says Job was righteous. Job prayed continually. He even prayed for the sins of his own children. That's not the one that he committed. Even the sins of that does not concern him. He was praying for it. Yet bad things happen. That tells us there is a lot going on behind the scene that some of us have no clue. And then the final thing that you see from this verse of the video is that the Bible tells us that misfortune and adversity are sometimes the direct result of satanic, uh, satanic attack in our lives. And that is what we see here in the life of Job. Direct result of satanic influence and satanic attack and satanic involvement in the affairs of our life. That is why sometimes you have issues going on. That is why sometimes jobs don't go the way they are supposed to go. That is why sometimes relationships are, you know, they scatter the way they are, they, they go the way they go. That is why sometimes you see other people doing the same business, you put your hands into that business and things don't go the way you go. It's not because you don't know what you're doing. It's not because you are not smart enough. It's not because you are not, you have not done your job or you have not done your feasibility study. Sometimes it might be the direct involvement of Satan in the affairs of us, in the affairs of our life. Now, going back to chapter 1. Now, let's read verse number 6. The Bible said, Now there was the day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my, uh, my servant Job, that there is no, there is no like him on the earth, a blameless, upright man, one who feared God and shunned evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around about his household, and around about all, all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possession have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hands and touch all that he has and he shall surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that you have, all that you have is all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay hands on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Like I said, this particular verses of scripture opens your eyes to see that there is a lot going on in the spiritual that you have no idea about. There is a conversation between God and, and Satan in this particular verse of the scripture that tells you that as God is observing your life, Satan is also observing your life. 
As God is praising you, Satan is jealous of what God is doing in your life. The Bible says that Satan recognizes the authority and the power of the Almighty God. How the Lord has hedged the life of, uh, how the Lord has hedged the life of, 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 of Job. How the Lord has protected Job. How the Lord has increased the work of his hand. Has caused him to prosper. The Lord, the, the, Satan recognizes all that God has done in the life of Job. And he said that he, and he's now ascribing the, the blessings of Job, the, the, the righteousness of Job. He's trying to undercut it by saying, this man is not righteous for nothing. He's righteous because of what you have done in his life, which is true. But the Lord is saying that this man is not only interested in the gifts that I've given to him. He's also interested more in me as a person. In other words, the Lord is saying, this is not a fair weather person. It is not a fair weather Christian. It's not a good day Christian. It's not a jolly good great Christian. It's a Christian of all weather. It's a Christian that will be there even when things are not going well. It's a Christian that will be there even when the weather turns around. That is what the Lord was saying. Now you will notice that God was the one that was bragging about the life of Job. Just like most of us parents will do. Your son or your daughters are doing very well. You say, oh, my daughter is so pleased. My son is so pleased. You are bragging about that particular. You know, that's what, the, and God was bragging about you. Saying how wonderful he is. But Satan being Satan, what did Satan do? Satan said that Job is a nice guy because you are doing, you are helping him out. Job is a nice guy because you have given him blessing. Job is a nice guy because he has a nice family. Job is a nice guy because you are blessing with riches. He's a very rich man. Why would he be, a, why would he be righteous? If I'm righteous, if I'm rich today, I will be righteous. It's just like when some people will say, if I have money, I'll write check to the church. But the problem is that even when they, even now that they have the money, they can't even write it. The point, that's the story for another day. But the job, it was Satan. Satan was saying that, Satan was saying that if you take away the protection, if you take away the provision, if you take away the preservation that you put in the life of Job, that put in the life of Job, that Job will no longer be, will no longer be a righteous man. That was the argument of Satan. And you will find out that that argument is true in a number of places where you come to the church. When everything is going on well, people are in the church. When everything is going on well, people are praising the Lord. When everything is going on well, they will see them doing what they are supposed to do. But as soon as situation changes, as soon as the answer to the prayer seems to be delayed, as soon as it appears that God is not hearing what they are saying, everything changes. Which is exactly what Satan is saying here. In some way, what Satan is saying is true of many believers. We serve God only when the things are going well. We are in church and do ministry and we are active in serving God when the blessings of God are increasing. But we are able to indulge in our religious fantasies when God is doing what God is supposed to do. Or what we think that God is supposed to be doing in our life. But as soon as things do not go our way, many of us begin to tell stories. Many of us begin to walk away. And that was what Job, that was what Satan was telling the Lord. So Satan was challenging God. He said, you stop blessing him. You stop prospering him. You stop doing what you're supposed to. Stop preserving him. Stop keeping his truth. Stop keeping the, the, the things that you are blessing with and see what Job will do. But the Lord disputed that assertion. The Lord was basically saying, no, Job is not like that. The Lord was saying, regardless of what I throw in the life of Job, regardless of the situation that Job will find himself, that Job will continue to remain faithful and holy and righteous in my presence. The question that comes to mind is that, can God make the same argument about us? Can God make the same assertion about us? If there is a, if the Lord opens our eyes and we're able to see and appeals the curtain of the spiritual away just for a second, and we're able to see a dialogue between God and Satan taking place just like we see here for Job, how will the conversation go? Will the Lord be able to say, I fought for you, I fought for me? Will the Lord be able to say, Satan, consider myself and God win? Will he be able to say that? No, no, no. 
and that is what is the, that is the root of this whole issue of this whole the book of Job. Because the Lord was trying to tell Satan that regardless of what I've blessed this man with, regardless of what I've done in life of this man, everything that I've given unto him, Job's response is not because of what he has received, it's because of the love affair that is between the two of us. And the Lord is asking that. Say, am I? The, the question this evening is that can the Lord vouch for us? If the if Satan were to place a bet, because that's basically what he did in life of Job, he said, "Take your hands away." In other words, I bet you, if you take this thing away, he will cost you. If Satan were to place a bet upon our life or a bet upon everything, will the Lord be able to win in our own case? That's the question. Will the Lord be able to win? I hope so, and I pray so. But now let's go back to this. You, you, you know the story of Job. So there's no point digging too much. But, but I just want to pull out some basic things out of it. Now Satan entered into the life of Job. And began to systematically destroy everything he had. In other words, Job got on Satan, Job got on Satan's radar. And Satan began to throw everything that he had at him. Now the thing is that when Satan is upon your case, life begins to happen to you. When Satan is upon your case, things begin to go the way you don't expect it to go. Now, what happens to the person? What happens to the individual? What happens to the family? What happens to the business? What happens to that particular church? When Satan gets on their case, what happens? If you look through the gospel, gospel, the gospel of John chapter 10, I'll just read one verse of there. John 10, reading from verse number 10. The Bible tells us there, the thief does not come Except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's all. In other words, when devil, when the Satan steps into the case, when the enemy of our soul have us on his radar, you will see that he has three missions. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. And it's now left for you, as an individual, to be able to make sure that this particular mission of the enemy will not succeed in my life, will not succeed in my family, will not succeed in my career, will not succeed in my church. That is what our mission, that's what our resolution should be. So, in the case of Job, when the enemy came in, what happened? Number one thing that happened is that his source of income was attacked and destroyed. That's the first thing you see when the enemy comes into your life. The source of income was attacked and destroyed. If you look at verse number 13, the Bible says, and there was a day when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking, when they were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. When the, Sab- when the Sabians raided ra- ra- them and took them away, indeed they killed all, they killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone escaped to tell you. So when the enemy have you on his radar, the first thing he will attack is your source of income. And he will make sure he takes it, you know, he deals with it, he, he dealt with the source of income, your job's source of income. Number two, when the enemy comes in, his possession, Job's possession was attacked and destroyed. Look at verse number 16. While he was sitting, while he was still speaking, another came in, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned the sheep and the servant and consumed them. And all, and, uh, and I alone uh, have escaped to tell you. So when the enemy comes, number one, he, he, he comes from your income. Number two, he comes from your possession. Number three, he, his family was attacked also. So it's not just the material things now. The enemy comes for everything. So he comes for his family. Look at verse number 18. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house. And suddenly a great wind from the cross, the wilderness, and struck the four corners of the house, and they fell on the young people, and they are all dead. So he attacks your he attacks your income, attacks your possession, attacks your family. Now he also attacks your health. 
when the enemy comes in, he looks for those areas where he knows he can get you. The next area that he attacks is the, is, the, is the area of hell. Look at Job chapter 2, reading from verse number 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with a painful boil from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a, a, a portrait with, uh, with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. Here was a man who was living large. All of a sudden, the enemy attacked his health. So you also see, when the enemy comes in, he attacks not just your family, not just your possession, not just your income, but also your health. And then also, after he attacked his health, the next thing he did was he attacked his relationship, his marriage. Look at verse number 2. Eh, sorry, verse number 9 of chapter 2. The Bible tells us, Then his wife said unto him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. In other words, the enemy now entered into his wife and now became the mouthpiece. The wife now became the mouthpiece of Satan to ask to make sure that, say, that, uh, that Job does what Job has purposed not to do. So, he not only attacks your income, he not only attacks your possession, he not only attacks your family, he not only attacks your health, he also attacks your marriage. Not only that, when the enemy comes in, he also attacks your relationship with other people. If you read the book of Job chapter 2 verse 11, the Bible told us that his friends came in and they started running their mouth over the life of this man. So what happened? There's a saying where I come from that if a, if a big problem knocks you down, smaller problems start dancing on top of you. And that is what happened here. These were people who could not even talk to Job, who were not able to talk to Job anyhow before. But because Satan has attacked his income, has attacked his possession, has attacked his family, has attacked his marriage, has attacked his health, now his friends are coming and they are just washing their mouth all over him. Not only that, not only his relationship, Job now, Satan, when Satan comes in, he also attacks the faith of an individual. It makes you to begin to question what you believe. It makes you to begin to question who you are. It makes you to begin to question the core things that hold you together as an individual. Look at Job chapter 3, reading from verse number 1. Job chapter 3, reading from verse number 1. The Bible says, after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day he was born. What will make a man get to the point and say, I regret the day I was born? You know that that person has been really pushed to a particular place. There are times when you get to a point, when you wake up in the morning and you just say, no, I wish I'm not alive. I wish I'm no longer alive. Or I wish this never happened. Or I wish that never happened. The day you begin to regret the day that you met the Lord. The day you begin to regret the day you were born. The day you begin to regret the day you lay your hands upon a particular business or, or met a particular individual. You know something has gone wrong. And that is what happened when the enemy comes in. He touches everything that he's able to touch. What I'm saying in essence is this, when Satan comes upon your case, when you become a, when you become a target on the radar of the enemy, he will not only steal from you, and if he cannot steal from you, he will try to kill. If he cannot kill, he will try to destroy. He will do everything in his, in his power to make sure that he runs you down. And he will not only attack your job, he will attack your family, he will attack your children, he will attack your friends, he will attack your associates, he will attack your wife, he will attack your health, he will attack everything that will make you strong. And by he will do it without any rules. He will, fall, he will use every strategy that he has in the book. Now, when the devil is upon your case, you cannot stop him from doing what he wants to do. The question now is that, how do you respond when you're in that kind of situation? The income is gone. Possession is gone. Family is gone. 
Your wife is having issues with you. Your health is gone. Even the friends that you have, that you seek solace with, they are beginning, you yourself are beginning to question yourself. When those things begin to happen in your life, how do you respond? How do you respond? Do you throw in the towel and just say, God, take my life? Or do you stand up? The Bible tells in the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Reading from verse number 7. How do you respond to the devil? James chapter 4 gives us an insight. In reading from verse number 7, it says, Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. First of all, submit yourself unto the almighty God when you are resisting the enemy. Sorry. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee with you. In other words, the Lord is saying, the only language that the enemy understands when you are on his radar, the only language you understand is the language of resistance. The enemy does not understand any other language. And that is why you find that the best way, when they tell you the best way to defend yourself is to attack. When we were growing up back in Lagos, I remember those days when we were walking on the street. If you don't want to be harassed, you don't walk like a, like a, like somebody who's a, who's a, who's a, that's why they pick on people who are Christians. In, 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 in the neck of the wood where we call, they will call them SU. There's a group that is called Scripture Union. So most of the people who are Christian in those days, they are SU. You will immediately you see them, you can tell that this one is an SU. And these are the people that they go after. All those rough boys, they go after them. If they know you are an SU, they will eat your lunch. Okay? But the only language that those boys understand is the language of, you know, is the language of resistance. You do not talk to the enemy and say, enemy, leave me alone. No. He will just, he will eat your lunch because you are, you are a ripe target. So the Lord is saying, he said, submit to God. Resist the devil and then he will flee from you. The Bible tells us, it is saying, right from the days of John the Baptist, this kingdom of God suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. In other words, you cannot sit down and expect the enemy to leave you alone. It doesn't work like that. You don't even have to believe that the enemy is attacking you. Because he's doing it. Job had no understanding what was going on. Job did not even know that the enemy was attacking him. He just knew something was not right. But the Lord said, the only way that you can stop the enemy from killing, from stealing, killing and destroying your life is to be able to resist. And how do you resist? How do you resist? Before I tell you how you are going to resist, let me share with you how you are not supposed to resist. The first thing is this. You do not resist the enemy by asserting your innocence and righteousness. And say, I'm a righteous man. I'm a child of God. You can talk good talk. The enemy is not interested in the talk. Job tried it. It did not work. Job was asserting his righteousness. Job was saying, I'm a righteous person. I'm a holy person. I have not done anything. I have done, if you read the whole of chapter 3 up to chapter 20, uh, up to chapter 40, that was all Job was doing. Job was asserting his righteousness and his, uh, and, uh, his, his innocence. But that did not work. Asserting your righteousness and innocence does not work. Number two, you do not resist the enemy by arguments. The enemy is a master argument. He's a, a, a master orator. He can argue his way into anything. But you do not win the battle by argument. You do not win the battle by isolation and self-pity. Go and put yourself in a corner. You don't talk to anybody anymore. You don't relate to anybody anymore. You don't win the battle like that. You do not win the battle by complaining and protesting. And that is why you see in this country, people say, oh, the Bible is kicked out of the house. No, it's kicked out of the school. People, and then the only thing they do is that they go to Washington and they are carrying their placard. They've been carrying placard now for how many years? What difference has it made? Nothing. The only way you win the battle is on your knees. But that's a different story. So you do not win the enemy. You do not win the battle over the enemy of your soul by complaining and by protest. No. You do not win the battle over your enemy by reproaching your friends. Yeah. Fighting your friends. No. 
at that point in time, the enemy is using anybody he can find. And if he uses your friends, sometimes your friends will make a comment that is just outright stupid. The Lord, the enemy did it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus just declared his, uh, his mission on earth. And Peter said, five be, five, from you, five be from you. And Jesus said, he rebuked said, Satan, get behind me. He recognized Satan in Peter at that point in time. He did not rebuke Peter. You do not fight the enemy by reproaching your friends. You don't do that. Because these are the people who are going to hold you up. You do not fight the enemy by, by appeasement or agreeing with him. And that is one of the biggest mistakes that Christians make. If you don't fight him, then he will not disturb you. It doesn't work like that. The fact that you don't fight him, it makes you a prime target. I don't know whether you have ever dealt with any bully. If, if, you, have dealt with a, if you have dealt with a bully before, the bully is not satisfied by you appeasing him. No! You embolden a bully when you keep appeasing him. The only way you deal with a bully is by giving him a surprise beating that he'll never forget. <laughs> I mean, I remember when we were still in elementary school, there was this boy, I think we were in either, either third or fourth grade. There was this young boy then. He was terrorizing our class. And what we did was that, okay, I was very small, I was skinny, and I could run. So what we did was, was we just planned for him. And the plan was very simple. And we, the, the other boys were going to hide in the, in the field, and I was just going to kind of, kind of uh, torment him. So when I tormented him, he started pursuing. So I started running towards the guys where the boys are. As soon as I got there, those boys came up and we gave him the beating of his life. The point I'm trying to say is that you do not appease. You do not appease, you do not appease the bully. And the enemy of our soul does not, is not satisfied with, with appeasement. He's not satisfied with appeasement. That was why Pharaoh was not, that was why Moses did not give any ground to Pharaoh. Moses insisted on what the Lord wanted. And that was the only way they could get the freedom. And then finally, you do not fight the devil. You do not resist the devil, enemy of your soul, by challenging God. No. You don't do it. So, how then do you respond when, the, when you are on the enemy's radar? How do you respond? Before we go into that again, let me quickly give you those three things that you must understand if you want to fight away with the enemy. The first thing you must understand is that you cannot respond to the onslaught of hell without repentance. If you are carrying, if you are not rightly associated with the Almighty God, if you have not had the peace that comes through relationship with the Almighty God, you cannot resist the enemy. If you look at the book of Job chapter 40, reading from verse number 3, the Bible tells us there, it said, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hands over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but now I will not answer. Twice, but I will not proceed any further. In other words, Job realized that unless he repented from his own self-righteousness, he, there is no way he can confront the enemy. So if you want to confront the enemy, right in your repentance must be there. The man or the woman who will, who will respond effectively to the, to the onslaught of hell is a man who is at peace with God true repentance. Number two, the man or the woman who will respond effectively to the onslaught of hell must be a man who has a revelation of the Almighty God. Yeah. Yeah. You must have a revelation of your situation. You must have a revelation of your circumstances. Without revelation, you cannot go anywhere. Look at Job chapter 42. In verse number 5, the Bible tells us there, it says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ears, 
But now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I abhor myself and I repent in the doors. In other words, Job was running his mouth. But the time came when the Lord opened his eyes. And as soon as the Lord opened his eyes, he could see his true condition. The same thing happened to Isaiah. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 6. It said, on the time that the year that King Uzziah died, it said, the Lord opened my eyes, saw the Lord God Almighty in his majesty. And then I realized how undone I am as a person. In other words, you cannot fight effectively the onslaught of hell against your soul unless you have a revelation of the almighty God. Because that's what it shows you where the issue are. That's when you begin to see where the problem is. That's when the Lord begins to tell you how to move. That's when the Lord begins to give you the strategies that you need to be able to win the battle that you are engaged in. He begins to give you the system that you are supposed to do. There are times all you have to do is just to clap your hand. All, all you have to do is just to march around the wall. All you have to do is just to put your feet in the Jordan River. And then things will begin to happen. But without that revelation, you are wasting your time. The man who will win the effective war against his soul is a man with a revelation. And then finally, the one who will win the battle, the onslaught of hell against his soul, is a man that forgives. The man that forgives. Look at verse, look at Job 42. Reading from verse number 10, the Bible said, And the Lord restored Job, Job's losses. And when he had prayed for his friends, indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. In other words, you want to fight the enemy and you are still holding grudges. You want to fight the enemy and you are still carrying malice. You want to cry, you, you, you want to fight the enemy and you have, you have unforgiveness in your soul. You are wasting your time. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.